All right. Well, good evening. You guys did a great job showing up on time and everything. Now we know that it can be done. So thank you guys for being here. I'm glad you can make it back after hearing Mark share this morning. Um, I hope that tonight you're able to take a second, breathe, hear some of the word, um, hear some help, some encouragement in your marriage. And I hope you can have some conversations with those around you and encourage one another. So I'm glad you guys are here. Here's how tonight's going to work. Uh, we'll start the first session here in just a moment. I'll hand it over to them. After the first session, we'll go next door to the fellowship hall. I'll tell you a little bit more about how to get your food, but then you'll bring your food back in here. Um, drinks and desserts are, are back there. So if you're a dessert first kind of person, you, you probably already have yours. Um, but feel free to grab a drink uh, or some coffee as, as the night goes along. Um, but we'll, so we'll take a dinner break about uh, 5.45, 6, till about 6.30, and then we'll have our second session, and we'll close up about, about there. So we have a couple of giveaways for you. Just so you know, those, those little bags on your table, um, I designed and created those, just like your table decorations. <laughs> There's a lot of laughter there. No, Miss Gwen did a lot of good work on this conference. Um, she did a good job with our logo and with all of those things that you see there. So anything like that that you see, she's responsible for that. So tell her what a good job she did. But um, I think that's it. So let me pray for us, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, you are good to us, and we praise you for the gifts that you bring and the joy that you give us in marriage and the opportunity that we have to be a model and a picture of your gospel to the world and to our spouse and to our family. I pray that you would be with our time tonight. May, be, may it be ultimately about bringing you praise through our marriages and our families. God, we love you. We praise you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Mark and Janet, please come up. Share with us. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. Well, hello. I want you to meet the other half of the dance uh, duo here. This is my lovely wife, Janet. And um, Janet has been literally drug around the country because uh, she's a reluctant stage person. She's not shy, but this is just, you know, something that God's kind of shoved her into. For some reason, about five years ago, we went to Lifeway. We um, began to minister to couples, mostly ministry couples. And we enjoyed encouraging them, but we don't consider ourselves to be um, marriage experts. We're like marriage cheerleaders. And um, so I don't know if there's a difference. It just kind of helps us in our head. So... Um, I, I just I told you we were empty nest. We had a couple of kids. I'm gonna let Janet fill in the blanks on that. Yeah, we have a daughter who's 26. She's married, and we have a wonderful son-in-law. No kids, no grandkids yet. And then our son is still single. He's 23. So if you know any good Christian girls around that age, and they live in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We they basically were raised in Arkansas. We were there for 14 years. He was pastor of a church. So. Um, we went to Nashville and left them there as empty nest, and so they're still there. Our son and our son-in-law actually work together, so they've become best friends, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and so um, we, we're still learning. Uh, you know, we are still learning and growing, figuring each other out. I just mentioned this morning, loving your spouse in an understanding way, asking questions, on making mistakes, and we uh, we learned a new one the other day that uh, 
that I'm not the best of uh, barbers. And um, Janet asked me to cut her hair a few months ago. Yeah. I mean, next month I'll be 55, and this is the first time anyone has ever asked me to cut their hair. And so she bravely, uh, I, I told her, I said, this, this is a bad idea. It seems simple enough, a straight line. Yeah. Okay, so you guys, <laughs> okay, so she said, all you got to do is, when someone says it's easy, it's never easy, right? Especially an IT person says, oh, this is easy. No, it's not. This is all you got to do, she said, is just pull the hair down and cut across an inch. Just needs to cut off dead ends. I don't know what dead ends are. I've never asked that question. I don't really care. I just like, you know, super cuts. I'll pay for it. You know, we've got... Anyway, she insisted, and as you know about marriage already, unless you've been married just a week or so, um, they have powers over us. And so she imposed these powers on me. And I'm back there where she's facing the mirror. I'm behind her. Hair's back, it's wet. You know, I'm like, I'm going to get this done. And so... You know, and I go across, and I'm not exaggerating. I know preachers exaggerate all the time, and I do, I'm not exaggerating. It was just like this. The angle was just like, it was terrible. And I was trying to do it right, but I was off so bad, and I was, you know, afraid. And I, you know, did the mirror back there, and she, and she was so cool about it. She said, just hair, it grows back. It grows, that's what she said, it grows back. And I'm like, okay, well, we're obviously going to have to go up a couple of inches. Yeah, so I lost about four or five inches that day. <laughs> yeah, third, third time through, it was pretty straight, all right? So we're still learning and growing, and, and hopefully she'll never ask me to do that again. So, I mean, that's just kind of what you do, right? So tonight, I hope that maybe... Um, even though we're going to look at some timeless truths, we're going to look at old school marriage, all right? We're going to look at two main words that you've heard for a long time, and we're just going to hyper-focus on them. First, the first one is the word leave, and the second one's the word cleave, where we get from Genesis chapter 2. That's pretty old school, isn't it? Second chapter of the Bible, uh, where a, a man is to leave his father and mother and to cleave or bond uh, you know, with his wife, and the two will become one. And Jesus, in Mark 4, uh, restated the same thing in Greek, and leave means leave, and cleave means cleave, but we're going we're gonna to flesh out how you do that so that your marriage will keep growing and, and thriving. And so at the end of tonight, uh, we, we really just want to encourage you to do the things that you probably uh, already know to do. Yeah, and... We may throw some examples in there, but we understand there's different seasons in life, and, and the specific example may not work for you at that time, but might maybe spark some ideas on how you can apply it to your situation and your season in life. Yeah. Very important part right there. There are several different age groups committed to the same covenant of marriage, but how you apply this is different. And so uh, we're not here to take you on a guilt trip. We're here to take you on a grace trip. And so uh, first we're going to look at the word leave. And, and when um, we look at that, we'll have a couple of things. I'm not a big whiteboard guy. But when, when we look at the word leave, 
You were basically what Moses and Jesus are saying here is learn to say this. This is like a huge part of growing your marriage right here. You've got to learn to say no. This something I found out in life, whether it's in my family or ministry or wherever I am, is that uh, no one likes to hear that word, right? I mean, it's not just preschoolers. I mean, actually, they like to say that word, no. It's like their first, no, no, no. And then people do it diplomatically. Um, for example, in ministry circles, here's how we say no. I'll pray about it. That's what that... So there's different, there's different ways of... This is different ways of saying no. Um, by the way, if they say, I'll, I'll think about it instead of I'll pray about it, that means heck no, at least it's in this room. So, um, so who do we say no to if we're going to protect our marriage? If we're going to literally take this, imply this old school marriage of leaving father and mother, we're going to come to them in a minute in order to cleave or bond with our spouse. The very first person... That, that, that you and I need to say no to if we're going to grow our marriage is um, ourself. So, my name's Mark, so I'm going to put my name right there. So, when I came to Jesus, I came to Jesus first in 1980 at youth camp before I met Janet, and basically that's a covenant I made based on um, his expectation to say no to myself. To deny, deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. So I did not only say no to myself, but to say no to every other God, no, no other gods, no graven images. But, but really, the person that keeps me from growing spiritually the most is, is me. And the person that keeps us growing the most, the biggest challenge in my marriage, is me. And so what we're saying here is that selfishness uh, is naturally um, a big challenge yeah. for everybody. When he was pastoring, he would do marriage counseling, and one time he brought out a good point to me. He said, you know, after all these years of counseling couples, when, when it's a big enough issue that it takes them to a counselor, whatever that is, whether it's um, money problems or time management or an affair or you know what it, he said he said you know just thinking about it, it seems like every single one of those is the root is selfishness and we got to thinking about it and um every example we could come up with for it to be that big of a problem where you had to go to counseling somebody or maybe both that was rooted in selfishness yeah all of them, all the challenges I've ever heard as a, as a, as a pastor, and I've heard a bunch, it's, yeah, it's all about me. And so what, what God's saying in Genesis and Mark, I mean, all through Scripture, is if you, if you can demote yourself, um, then you can grow your marriage. And I've not seen an exception to that uh, yet. I think the strongest marriage passage in the Bible, this is my personal opinion, uh, doesn't actually mention marriage, but it does mention this first challenge. That's, you probably are already thinking of it. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 
It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. So, I mean, that's pretty good marriage principle right there, right? You consider the other person more than yourself, because naturally you're going to think of yourself first. That's why in Ephesians 5, uh, uh, Paul says, you know, love your wife like Christ loved the church, and you know, take care of her as you would your own body. I mean, because you're going to, if you're in your hunger, you're going to eat. When you're sleepy, you're going to sleep. You're going to take care of your body. This body's been wired to do that. It's a little less intuitive to take care of somebody else before yourself. I feel like I wasted so much time early in our marriage concerned about, well, you're not going to treat me that way, or, you know, if I, let, if I let him get away with this, then, you know, I may have to put up with this for the next 40 years, and it was not that not that, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing to think, but that was like the focus on how you're going to treat me, and what am, what am I okay with your habits, and what am, you know, what am I, and it just, I felt like I wasted so much time in those early years, and the focus really needs to be, and it became, fortunately for us, how can how can I be better for you? And it was it it's kind of I say a vicious cycle just because I don't know how else to say it, but it just seems like a cycle. The more he wants to do for me, the more I want to do for him, you know. And, and so it's like we're we're motivating each other to be unselfish. Yeah, Romans Romans says to outdo one another in showing honor. I mean that's like a competition. Like I can I can honor you more than you can. Honor. I mean it's a little a little bit of a healthy competition, I guess. So do, do nothing out of selfish ambition. So that's the negative side of that. And the second part of the verse, or, or, or verse 4, Philippians 2, 4, everyone should look out not only for his own interest, meaning self-care is not necessarily selfish. In fact, self-care can be strategic. The oxygen mask, I talked about this morning. But not only for his own interest, that's going to happen, but also for the interest of others. So, now, yeah, let's, like, let's make this realistic in case we, um, unless you're thinking of a Brian Adams song. I mean, I heard this the other day. I couldn't get it out of my head. And, and some of you were probably um, conceived uh, as a result of this song. But um, yeah, Brian Adams song, you know that song. I, don't make me sing it. I mean, maybe, maybe if Jeff could sing it, we, we could remember. Jeff, you, you, uh, Brian Adams, he's a guy. He's a guy that... Uh, yeah, so anyway, everything I do, I do for you. You know that song? Do you, have you ever met anyone that could actually live up to that song? That, that everything they do, they do for somebody else? But Brian Adams makes it sound, he it makes it sound so believable. But I don't want you to go out of here with some unrealistic expectation for your marriage. Otherwise, you haven't actually been in a grace zone at all. And here's where the gospel is, is, is demonstrated most in our marriage. Is this is more than just a gotcha zone. Like, okay, I found another place to criticize somebody else so I can feel, you know, better about my marriage or, or to maybe uh, beat myself up. But, but the gospel is a finished work. It's a... It's a when Jesus' death and resurrection not only made it possible to not fear death, but 
I mean, there's a resurrection power within every single believer in this room that makes things possible that otherwise are impossible. And remember that because you might be in a bad season in your marriage later where you need to remember that the grace that saved you is the grace that also strengthens you when you have a prodigal PK or a prodigal kid, a prodigal, uh, or you have a marriage that's, that's sliding. Paul told Timothy in that same mentoring letter from this morning to be uh, ready in season and out of season, which means he's going to be in both, which means we're going to be in both. And so don't think that you have to live in a constant state of honeymoon. That's not what we're, that's not what we're talking about. Or in a constant state of revival. Just don't let mediocrity set in and be okay with it. But self-demotions, self-demotions are huge. And I hardly ever read or hear about them in, in the context of marriage. Is that, you know, you want your marriage to grow, you got to learn to say no. You got to learn to say, what does my husband want? What does my wife want? And put them ahead of yourself, which is, again, counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. But, um... Leaving also implies you say no to, to somebody else. And uh, that is maybe a little more obvious here. When, um, when we say no to our family, the first people we say no to, and it's right here in Scripture, first people we say no to or goodbye to is mom and dad. Especially mom. And especially mom. Or it seems that way. Yeah. It's really interesting how the Western weddings have been set up, isn't it? Yeah, we got, we got gypped. We As did? moms, we get gypped. You yeah. do? Well, we you don't, don't get know. to say anything. You we get dissed. You get demoted is what you get. You get <laughs> outright publicly demoted. I mean, we might get to light a candle, yep. but then somebody's just going to blow it out. <laughs> yep. And for, the, and for the really cool Baptist churches, the dads get to dance, but do the moms? Maybe, maybe not. First dance is with the dad. Who gets to walk the bride down? Mom? Heck no. She's over here. You just stay there. You might get the candle, like you said. But I think this whole thing's been set up to tell her no. Which is hard. I got two adult kids. It's hard. I do, too. But, I mean, for boys, I know there's just something about a mama and her boy, you know. Yes. But, um, and then for my daughter, you know, there was that while where she hated me. And, you know, then she got married and now we're best friends. But, which is really sweet. <laughs> but there's that challenge there as well with daughters and their moms. Which is great to be close. It's just not as close. And um, letting, yeah. that, uh, letting the mom maybe take the place or... Um, you know, for years, the parents pretty much, you know, decide on holidays and all that. Well, then you got to figure out how you're going to share holidays. And uh, some families, every Sunday, they go and eat dinner after church, which is fine as long as you're both okay with that. Um, but one of the things that made his mom so mad when we first got married, she'd say, well, we're going to do such and such and such. And he'd say, well, I'll talk to Janet about it. And she, she didn't like, like that. No, she's like, mm -mm. <laughs> yeah. 
She, she, it took her years to realize that she was no longer the queen. You know what I mean? I got a new queen. Her name's Janet. Now, sit, now she said something in passing that's real important. It doesn't, we're not saying don't be close to your parents. We're not saying dishonor your parents. That'd be unbiblical. What we're saying is don't be as close. In fact, when you're close to your parents, it's called symbiosis. But if you're too close to your parents, it's called pathetic. <laughs> all right? And so we are those parents, all right? So we have adult kids, and we want to be close, but, but we don't want to be too close. And, you know, one of the, you, you, you experienced the payoff with Holly. Uh, you got demoted on the phone, and it felt good. Tell them about that. That's important. Yeah, we were talking on the phone, and her husband came in for lunch, and she was like, oh, Mom, Brandon's home. I got to go. And she hung up on me. And, you know, that may not seem significant, but to me, I just kind of felt like it was payday because she prioritized him over me, and that, that made me feel good. Yeah. So some of you are in a different stage of life where, okay, so you're saying no. Um, we talked about no, like Jesus said, Moses said, so leaving your father and your mother. So we'll just put parents here. And, um, of course, that could mean grandparents or just family. But also family means um, kids. Sometimes it's hard to say no to your kids. And, um, you know, been there, done that. We don't throw Skittles at them anymore, but there's other things that we, we like to bait or threaten our kids. So, so we like, like everyone else, we like everybody to be happy. We like to be uh, us happy. We like our parents to be happy. We like our kids to be happy. But sometimes, um, you know, it's not healthy for your marriage if you let your kids cut in line. Right? So if your parents cut in line, that's, that's not healthy. That's why the leaving and cleaving is important. But sometimes the kids will try to cut in line. And that's a challenge when they're little. Obviously, when they're first born, they need all of our attention. I mean, that's, that's healthy. But then as they get older, I have a friend at work, and she heard what, you know, what we did and you know, talking about marriage. And she, she said, that's just last night, my husband and I were talking. We're just not happy anymore. We're just not happy with each other. And I said, well, when's the last time you went on a date? Well, my son is eight, so about eight years ago. <laughs> and I said, well, that, start there. You need to go on a date. And she said, well, we just don't like to leave him. He's just so sweet. And, um, you know, he'll want to know why we're not taking him with us. And she was making all these excuses. And, I, you know, I told her, I said, the best thing you can do for that little boy is to leave him and, you know, show him how to love his future wife someday. Yeah, saying no to your kids when they're young and reformative years is actually a great discipleship opportunity, isn't it? You know? And they're not going to like it. I, I know, you know, like she said, her she, w connection with Brad, very, very close from the beginning. And, and, um, and so Holly, our daughter, when she came to church, she's like, hey, let's do this, you know? And she loved running around the church. And Brad was like, he just wanted to be with mom. This dropping off in another room with other people was just not a good idea for him. He did not like that. And so, yet, we, um, and, or if we went on a date or went on a trip, you know, Song of Solomon um, is, is a romantic, sometimes sensual love song is what it is. And in it, there's this metaphor that two, uh, you know, fiancés are 
are um, getting ready to be married, and it says um, the foxes, about the foxes, catch the foxes, a metaphor for anybody that tries to uh, harm their romance because they are, they are getting married and they're consummating the marriage. This is all about S-E-X. I don't know if you talk about that here or not, but um, anyway, in uh, Tulsa they do. So, um, <laughs> so they're eager to consummate their marriage, and, it said, and here's what Solomon says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, for our vineyards are in bloom. I'm not whiteboarding any of that stuff, okay? If you hadn't figured it out, I'm sorry. Look it up, Song of Solomon's 2.15. So, I mean, there's, if you want, I, I, mean, I should have brought a bunch of the do not disturb signs from the hotel and just give them to you for your kids. Just put them out there, lock the door, and, you know, go visit. But, um... That's how I apply Mark 10, 9 that says, What God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus said it. Let's practice it. Amen? Were you going to say something? I saw the mic go up. Okay. All right. This is the cue for, I got something to say. Yeah, really. All right, so, so, then, so basically all we're talking about here is uh, making these boundaries based on the, the leaving, cleaving, and saying no to yourself is the first priority. Saying no to your family, parents, kids. And then saying no to others. Saying no to, not saying no all the time. But again, we've got this pecking order that needs to be defended. It needs to be protected so that you can prioritize. This isn't, this isn't a time management. This is relationship management. Uh, built on what we, we talked about this morning. So saying no to others, uh, sometimes that looks differently for different people. Because you've got people that are like, okay, I'm trying not to be a workaholic. And the others, I'm trying not to be a momaholic. Or, or, or for, for people like me, I'm trying not to be a churchaholic. But whatever, or uh, I mean, for me, my, my, I love ministry and I also love to bow hunt. That's my thing. So I could, I could like spend all my time chasing critters with sticks. And uh, I mean, I love to do that. But saying no to myself and to others means that my friends sometimes try to cut in line. They don't want to, no one wants to blow up your marriage, but they'll do it if you let them. Yeah, I think as moms, too, um, that's really tough. And I'm, I just want to say, first off, I'm not against working women. I am a working woman, but there are different seasons in life. I've worked full-time, I've worked part-time, I've been a stay-at-home mom, and I'm not saying that you should do any one over the other, and I'm not trying to do any kind of shame. What I would challenge you to do if you are a mom and your kids are at home right now is just to pray about it and make sure God's okay with you working, and then ask yourself, why am I working? And if areas, if that is being those orders, you don't have time for a quiet time. You don't have time today. You don't have time for all this. It's possible, and I'm not, again, don't get offended. I work, but um, just make sure God's okay with that. And if God's okay with it, then you're going to be able to keep those, those relationships in order. And um, so that's just my challenge to you is don't just work because society says it's okay. I mean, really talk to the Lord about that if you have 
kids at home. So you guys have experienced a, a really, 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 really tough week. Um, we know that it's been a heavy week, and I mean, even outside uh, the the tragedy here, um, you've got all that heaviness of impeachment stuff. And this time last week, it was halftime stuff or whatever. Um, so, the, but but. I, I did. I didn't get to watch. Or I didn't. I didn't want to watch any of the impeachment stuff. I mean, a part of me wanted to watch all the halftime stuff, but I, but the impeachment stuff less tempting. So, the, the there was somebody there, somebody not there, that was kind of conspicuously not there. As we were thinking about this, uh, we were in Wisconsin till yesterday. It's a little colder up there. We flew back. We got back last night. Did a marriage conference up there for um, some folks, and um, their their congressman for several years, U.S. Congress. Anybody know? Remember him? This is one of those quiz things, like, like the basketball. Anybody remember the congressman, the U.S. congressman from? He uh, give you a hint. He was a vice presidential candidate a few years ago. He was a speaker of house before Pelosi. There you go. There we go. You winner. You winner. All right. You get first in line over there. So Paul Ryan wasn't there. Remember Paul Ryan? Yeah. Again, he was a speaker. He just he just uh, he was congressman up until t- uh, January of 2019. So until a year ago, and he decided not to run for re-election. But when he was a congressman, he was he was uh, he and Mitt Romney. Ran for president, vice president, and he was the he was the chairman uh, or the speaker of the house for the Republicans, and uh, being bright, bright, shining star. To be honest with you, crossfitter. I mean, he just kind of had it all. Had the hair and the teeth and everything. So, anyway, but Paul Ryan, when they asked him to be speaker of the house, okay, this is the Congress is saying, okay, we've got the majority, we get the speaker, we want you to be it, and he says, well, under two conditions. This is the kind of guy, he's got conditions. One, all you Republicans are going to have to get unified behind me. I can just only imagine the moment. I wish I was there. So, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, we'll be all right behind you. The other one is, and I quote him here. It's from Time Magazine. Uh, he said, I'm not going to travel as much as previous speakers because I cannot and I will not give up my family time. And, and that's why he wasn't at the impeachment trial, because he's not in Congress, because he kept that promise. He went back to his secular, he went back to his non-political job because he didn't want his kids to grow up in a home without a, without a dad. And I think that's pretty darn cool right there. He's not afraid to work hard. He's not afraid of opposition. And maybe we'll see him on that landscape again. But I'll respect him because he put his family in front of his job. I want to be that guy. We're not always going to hit a home run in this, are we? But this other's can mean a lot of things and a lot of people. I mentioned bow hunting, my hobby. She's a backpacker. 
She doesn't look like a backpacker, but she is a serious backpacker. And, um, you know, my, honestly, my, my closest bow hunting friends are my, about my age, and all of them have been divorced. Um, and they've made it, most of them have made it to their 25th anniversaries. So they somehow got to this point where their career and their hobbies peaked out. But their, and their family, when their kids moved off to college, they had an empty nest, but they also had an empty marriage. And so for those of you that are younger than us in particular, I'm just trying to show you good examples like Paul Ryan, but also scary examples of people who never meant to blow up their marriage, but through time they just neglected it enough to where it just became a shell. And it happens all the time, and it doesn't have to happen to you. And you are here tonight. Not because someone showed up at your door and said, here is some margin. Here's some free margin. Here's a couple hours with nothing else better to do. You're caught up with everything at work and at home and at church, and so let's just go hang out. No, you're here because you have prioritized your spouse, your marriage, you're investing tonight. You've done good. This is awesome. And you've scared the devil real good as well. All right? So let me commend you and encourage you that, that, that no one gets it right all the time, but you tonight have invested in your marriage, and I think God's going to bless that. I really do. I really do. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to go, and we're going to have some food and have some more fun. Does that sound like an okay time? And then, um, then we'll come back and we're going to look at the other side of this coin. Not only to leave our mom and dad and ourselves and others, but we're going to talk about cleaving, which means to pursue hard. And that'll be a fun discussion as well. Father, thank you for these couples. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this staff and the time that they've invested in marriages. And Lord, we pray that you would Bless and encourage each couple here. We pray that you'd bless the food that we're about to eat. And just pray that everyone would leave here encouraged and equipped. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.